this podcast is uh, brought to you in a house with animals. That includes dogs, cats, teenagers, and the occasional wild artist. Woo! I should also, at this juncture, mention that this podcast contains lots of swear words. We're not good at not swearing. It's true. And while we don't get into anything too explicit, our friends at Apple only support two kinds of ratings for podcasts, clean and explicit. And since we're probably going to drop an F-bomb at some point, whether we mean to or not, we have to mark it as explicit. Parental guidance suggested, PG-13, etc., etc. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 55. Yay! We are... Back from Anthrocon. Oh, God. We have uh, letters. It's the second week of the month, so we have some letters to go through. Not very many. Five. We're all caught up, which is nice. And there hasn't been anything, like, major, major change-wise, I don't think. Uh, other than the fact that I'm done with the convention prep, which is... And, yeah, and bouncing a- on your ball. No, I'm not done with bouncing on my ball. Well, yeah, that's fair. You're not done with that. I'm currently bouncing on it. You are currently bouncing on it. Yeah, uh, it was a good con. Mm-hmm. It was excellent. Uh, lovely being the GOH. The one downside is that I had a schedule of places I had to be for various events, as opposed to just you go sit here at the table for eight hours. Right. And while the events themselves were not taxing particularly, I'm very good at being on panels and whatnot. This is a oh, skill. Yeah. Yeah. It can be learned. I like to think I have learned it. Practiced a lot, at least. The difficulty of constantly checking the time and being like, do I have to be here? When do I have to be here? How long do I have until the next thing? Okay, what about the thing after that? Okay, can I go to this? When do I have to do this thing so I can go do this thing? Okay, I have to schedule this. Is far more exhausting than just sitting behind a table going, woo, buy my stuff. See, and the funny thing is I find the exact opposite. Because in most of my day jobs to date, my current day job is not anywhere near as intense as as my prior ones, it was always, okay, I have this window of time to be able to do this number of things before I have a meeting or before I have to drive home or before I have to be somewhere. So I'm actually used to those very strict scheduling blocks. So which for a convention generally works really well because it's like, okay, I know at this time I'm on for three or four hours at this location doing this job. And when that's done, I can go to bed or I can go to dinner or I can sit in the dealer's room until that next shift at whatever time it is. Now, the shifts aren't always kind to my body because I'll be in a rotation with other people. And it may mean that I'm on every four hours starting at 9 p.m. on Thursday or not every four hours, but it'll be four on eight off, four on eight off, which means that slowly but surely over the course of like three days, it resets. But that means that, you know, I'm on at four or on at nine and off at, what is it? One and then on at nine in the morning and off at one in the afternoon, then back on at nine at night, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that the thing is that I have arranged my job so I don't owe people things. Uh Uh-huh. I hate being obligated or owing someone a thing or having to be somewhere at a time. It it sets off all of my, I will be late, I will fail, whatever. Right. So it's much easier for me to be, I will deliver X book than 
I will have to be here every day at X time mm-hmm. for and and if it was a day job where it's you you know you'll have to be there at nine every single day that's fine mm-hmm. I've done that it's you might have to be here at nine or you might have to be here at seven and now you have to get up at noon but then your next thing is at ten thirty right. uh, that just sends me into absolute hives yeah and for me usually what happens is my sleep schedule just gets wrecked. Right, because I'm maybe I've only got uh, maybe it's three hour shifts and six hours in between, and that means that I'm on a really like a nine hour cycle between things, and it just destroys me. Um, and then if I'm uh, like this time, I was just a, a worker bee. Often we say grunt, but I, I prefer worker bee because all of us perform a no no matter how lowly perform a very valuable service to the entirety of the the event when we're doing this. Um. Unlike a grunt who's there to do crap work. And I'll admit... In well, the crap work is often, you know, essential to grunt is, was originally a military term. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, so I spent a lot of time this time, this this Anthrocon, checking badges at, like, dances, at, like, the dealer's room, which is vastly different from my usual handling, which is I'm the person in charge of the people who are checking badges or running elevators or or things like that. And I think that sign kind of important. It was a good level set. Um, something a lot of people don't do once they achieve a leadership position is go back and do those jobs again mm-hmm. because they might've changed. The only experience you have in those jobs is the last time you did them. And so you don't have a really good idea as to how, you know, working the elevator line to make sure it's orderly and moving smoothly is compared to, you know, now compared to the last time you did it. Right. Which, Particularly given, like, the way that the elevators in the hotel have changed. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. We, without, we have words. Yeah. Without getting into too many details, there were a few cases of someone coming down and being like, no, no, we're doing this wrong. This elevator is, is leaving here empty. And us having to explain, no, that's what the computer system is doing now. You cannot put someone on that elevator because there are no buttons inside it. Right. You you will literally trap them between mm-hmm. floors if you get hung up on that. Or they will never get to the floor they want until they just jump off at one and, or at a yeah. floor and push the right button. Yeah. Um, and but, that's, you know, new computer system, they didn't know. So. Yeah, and, it's, and even then, uh, I want to start filing bug reports. Um, now that I've actually sat there and worked those elevators, I'm like, uh, can we just get the company to, to work with us to figure out how to make this work better so that we're not sitting here having to basically, you know, control the elevator flow. These are supposed to be smart elevators, but they're not designed for a fur con basically. Yeah. You know, they're not designed for, we can only fit safely eight fursuits in it, um, or six fursuits and three people in it. It will assign people to cars until it thinks the car is full, which may be 15 people, which does not work if eight of those are fursuits. Yes. Or if um, six are fursuits, one's a luggage cart. Right. Right. And um, there are no buttons for luggage carts. Right. Uh, there's, right. yeah. So it's... It's a work in progress, but now I have a better understanding. And I think that's something a lot of either managers or team leads uh, don't do. Certainly the engineers did not stress test this. Or they stress test it, but they didn't stress test this particular use case, right? Um, They stress test, but they stress test. I mean, I've seen this system work beautifully at rush hour 
uh, for office buildings. When everybody's coming in at roughly the same time, everybody's going to base, everybody in line is going to a different floor, and it can smartly distribute things. It, it, it isn't set for large groups of people all going to the same place, so right. there is no capacity. If I'm going to floor 10, say, mm-hmm. there's there's a keypad, I hit the number 10, mm-hmm. and off, and it says, go to this elevator. Right. Well, if there's five people with me, we all shuffle off to that elevator because there's nothing there to tell us 10 of you, uh, you know, all five of you need to hit the right. number 10. Right. Or it just thinks there's one human on the cart. And, right. And uh, it starts and it loads and it, it pre plans the elevator based on what numbers it thinks there are. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very difficult to. The system may be smart, but its interface with humans does not take into account how humans work. Or rather, the appropriate response is, it is very smart, but the designers of the system did not take into account how humans work, especially large groups of humans. And certainly for a hotel, it's inexcusable not to have luggage cart, wheelchair, any of the heavy objects in scooter. We have people on mobility Mm -hmm. scooters, and it's just like... Mm -hmm. Uh, it it has no comprehension. Yeah, and I I look at it. I I heard rumors that there's actually a software upgrade that addresses this, but the hotel hasn't applied it yet. Well, so there can dream. there may be relief, but this gives us two things. One is you have to design things when you're when you're designing things, even productivity systems. And believe me, uh, elevator smart elevators are really a productivity system because it's. It has an to be efficiency system. an efficiency system. Yeah, um, it 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 has to know. There's the ghost and the printer again. It has to know where people belong, where people are going, how long they're gonna. It doesn't have to know how long they stay, but it has to do a lot of balancing. And I've I've read up on how elevator systems are supposed to work and the planning, and it goes into traffic, and it's it's insane the amount of math and science that goes into these. But there is no one size fits all, right? And a lot of these are designed one size fits all. Like we are designing this for tall buildings, not taking into account whether it's a hotel, a private residence, apartments, or an office building. Yeah, I'm sure it would mm-hmm. work great for apartments or uh, uh, an office building. Yeah, yeah where it, it maybe works. Not, maybe uh, apartments might have some of the same problems, but it just does not. Massive traffic inflow of radically varying sizes right. is just right. a. a Case breaker. Anyway, we've talked right. enough about elevators. Well, the, Moving the, on. but the but the example there is that when you're designing your own productivity system, you can't. There's no one size fits all. We've Bring me an analogy home, Kevin. Bring it home. I'm doing my best. Um, <laughs> but there's no one size fits all, and it's all about finding the thing that works for you or works for your office. And you can't just go in and say this is the perfect system and it will adapt itself to anything because no, it won't. Just to, just accept no, it won't. If you have um, built a better mousetrap, mm-hmm. someone will invent a better mouse. Absolutely. The other thing is, though, get out of your bubble, right? If you're in a management role or a team lead role or a supervisory role or even a project manager role, if you have the skills, do not just your boss's job, like Gene said several episodes ago. Uh, it's been almost a year now. Wow. <laughs> um, but... Do the jobs or or work closely with the people who you are managing or being the team lead for to understand what their job is. Maybe you, uh, I, the argument is always, well, when I was a sysadmin, this is how we did things. Yes, but you were a sysadmin 15 years ago. Yeah. Things have changed radically in 15 years. When was the last time you were actually a sysadmin? Um, 
But I that's... would also say if you are mm-hmm. if you are looking over the shoulders of your your workers, don't micromanage shit. Don't be like Mm-mm. you know you could be far more efficient if you just did it this way. Oh, that, you know, there's absolutely. there's an excellent yeah. chance if you hired them because you think they know what they're doing. Just listen to them knowing mm-hmm. what they're doing. You can ask, why don't you do it this way? And that's why. But don't be like, you can do it this way. Then, eh, calm down. Yeah. These people are temporarily the experts. Mm-hmm. Pay attention. Ask questions. Yes. Pay attention and ask questions. Uh, that's one of the big things I was discussing with one of our earlier interviews uh, earlier today. Uh, my friend Bill Moeller, who I interviewed last September. And Bill was talking about how they had a solution they had to put in place. But it, the the actual technical design was not being done by the technical people. It was being done by the uh, business team that was driving it. And the business team that was driving it was basically designing an environment that would take longer to implement, be harder to maintain, and also cost more money, right? But they were dead set on this. Now, they... They didn't do any cons- consultation really with the with the people who were actually going to have to do the build out at the time, and so when the people who who would be doing it said no, we need to do it this other way, which will save us time, it will manage easier, and it will cost less, and because they're the experts, but the people who had designed it and who are driving the project never take that expertise into account. They have a way they think it needs to be done, and that's how it needs to be done. Whether it's the right way or not, it's their way, therefore it's the only way. And that's a problem, right? They're not listening. They're not paying attention. They don't know how the modern uh, methodology works versus when they were system administrators 15, 20 years ago on Microsoft versus modern Linux Container, blah, blah, blah. Completely unrelated. What are these three priority mailboxes under your desk? Uh, those are, uh, that is the collection of original Dragon magazines that were given to me by a friend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I would love to pass on to someone who could use them more than me. Uh, they're a brilliant piece of history, especially if you are a old school TSR D&D person, but... Uh, God, I was afraid they were KUEC food. No, 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 no. The only KUEC food in this in this office is is this pile behind me over here, which we really need to go through. Which we're going through. We're going through slowly. All right, so we should get to some letters. We should get to some letters, uh, but first we should take a, a short break. All right, and then we'll we'll do that. So we'll be right back after this break. And we are back, Yay! which is nice. The letter episodes are kind of nice because really the break is is more for, for you folks at home than us. I mean, yeah, we stop. We grab a fresh drink. We No, I have to stand up or my butt falls asleep. Oh, there's that too. Okay. So we're doing letters this week, and we're going to start with a letter from Sarah. 
Um, Sarah says, thank you for answering my letter because we had one earlier. Uh, I'll definitely check out Super Better, which is the game we had mm-hmm. talked about a couple episodes ago. The discussion of culture fit and startup workaholic culture reminded me of something I meant to comment on the sick day episode. If you're a manager, supervisor, etc., take sick leave. Take vacation. On the one hand, it's nice to know that a manager isn't going to ask anything of their employees that they wouldn't do themselves. But on the other, it can stifle your ability to call out sick when your manager is slogging into work with the flu during a blizzard. And that's, there's a, there's a a culture in corporations that, you know, we must be there. We cannot be sick. We must be whatever. And it, it goes from the, the lowest level guy who's afraid of being fired and he'll lose health insurance all the way to the people at the top who are, are are there to set the example and show how it must be done. Um, Yeah. If you're sick, stay home. This is, if you can. And I realize a lot of Mm -hmm. people can't. Oh, yeah. And that is just such total bullshit that they, that we can't. Bodies Mm -hmm. get sick. It is not a moral failing. Yes. David writes in with an omnibus letter. So we're going to cover three podcasts in one letter. Dear Ursula and Kevin, I've been meaning to write an omnibus fan letter for a while covering podcasts and books, but or uh, but recent episodes of Hidden Almanac and Productivity Alchemy crossed the streams for me, so I'm just going to pick up on pick up on one topic. Having walked the Camino de Santiago a couple of times, the pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. How badly am I mangling that? Do I speak Spanish? No idea. I was delighted to hear the hidden almanac story of a saint dedicated to making good socks for pilgrims. (laughs) Socks are one of the all-consuming concerns on pilgrimage and a very common topic of conversation. Are they warm enough? Cool enough? Can you keep them dry? If you wash them at night, will they be dry in the morning? What do you do if they're not? What if it's raining? Can you dry them on a radiator without burning holes in them? Possible answers. Sometimes, sometimes, if you have a spare pair, not always. Pin them to your pack. Curse, not always. Then Productivity Alchemy's latest letter episode mentioned keeping things organized in a suitcase or pack. An approach that worked really well with backpacks on pilgrimage was a collection of compression stuff sacks in different colors and sizes. I keep all of my stuff sacks in different colors, mm-hmm. yeah, weird shapes and whatnot. Yeah. The sacks help keep things dry, the compression helps things fit in the pack, and having several sacks helps with organization when you're rarely staying in the same place two nights in a row. Come to think of it, the goal-setting, long- and short-term scheduling, planning, organizational, and resource management aspects of going on pilgrimage are probably worth a long discussion all on their own, but that may need its own letter. I'd, be, I'd actually be fascinated to talk to David about that, so I might, uh, I might add him to the tributes. Um, I was going to say that I didn't know if the pilgrimage synchronicity extended to KUEC, as I'm more than four years behind, but then the next episode queued up was 2014's Communion Wafers and Cheese, including a reading and discussion of Frost's The Road Not Taken. And the applicability was multifaceted and uncanny. I'll just say that the first time on the Camino, two roads diverged in a wood. We took the one less traveled and found ourselves stumbling down a long, steep, muddy path through a beech forest that would have been magnificent if we could have looked up from finding our footing. By then, we were damn sure we knew why that road was less traveled, (laughs) but it was too late for it to make any difference. Pending that omnibus fan letter I mentioned at the start, thank you, Ursula, for all the books, as I've told you before. You have fans across three generations of my family. And thank you, Kevin and Ursula, for the podcast, which feature regularly on my commutes. All the best, David. I don't know if we've ever gotten mail from a pilgrim before. That's I, I, fantastic. I know. It's, it's cool. And and I'm just thinking about, you know, the, the organizational 
that goes into that, not just personally, but there's usually someone like that manages the pilgrimage, like a, a group or a tour guide or, um, you know, yes, a Sherpa. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, but we've never been a pilgrimage. We don't know if that's true. We know that's true for like certain tourism events. Yeah, yeah. We do not know if that is that, true for that's pilgrimage. That's true. Uh, for all I know, you land in Spain and you get on the trail. Yeah. And good luck. I mean, which, that's how it is with birding. Yes. The uh, When we were going to Africa, socks mm-hmm. were a major concern. Oh, socks were huge. And yeah. we ended up doing sort of a layered sock thing mm-hmm. where we had these super wicking under socks. Yes. So then we could get two or three days out of the outer socks. Right. And right. for uh, and and they were they were designed to be washed in like sinks or puddles with just a tiny yeah. bit of soap. I mean, I've I've they praised cheap. ex officio before <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, their underwear. I still love because you can literally wash it in the sink and it will be dry in the morning. There are yeah. sort of uh, instructions. They even have uh, shirts and undershirts that work the oh, same. Yeah. Uh, there's kind of a trick to washing the shirts you have to like roll them in a towel and then step on the towel but yep. it uh mm-hmm. they genuinely worked we were every other i think we had like three pairs and we were washing one every night in the sink kind of thing um, and- no i was i was gonna say i believe i did that africa trip with two pairs of underwear two pairs of under socks two pairs of outer socks <laughs> yeah. and and you know two undershirts um and I mean, yeah, two pairs of pants, et cetera, et cetera. But the ability to just, you know, to be able to either get multiple days out of a single pair of socks or a pair of underwear or T-shirt was huge. Yeah, yeah, I was a little grimy and stinky when we pulled into the lodge after three days in the bush, but who wasn't? We all were, so yeah. that really was a non-issue. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, ex officio, recommend them highly. Absolutely. Um, all right, this is a message from Emily. Uh, hello, I've recently begun listening to your show and I love the tips and techniques you offer as well as the great interviews with people. I particularly enjoy your episodes, which include writers such as Sean and McGuire. I am a writer as well, and I have a well-cultivated love of office supplies. I think it goes with the territory. No, cause I'm a writer in office supplies. No, I, but you're, you're, you were an artist before you were a writer professionally. Uh, I guess, although I, but how many I, different art technique pieces do you have up there that you don't use or you used once or twice? Eleven then... million, but they're not office supplies. Well, I no, mean, but uh, encaustic wax is not an office supply by any stretch of the yeah, imagination. But, uh, but it, the the comparative comparison is valid. Do you know how many different kinds of post-it notes I have? Yeah, I don't think the comparison is valid. I think it's more like how many different apps have you tried? I've a lot. Lots yes. and a lots and a lots. And I will say an app, trying mm-hmm. a different app and a new sort of thing like that is mm-hmm. much more akin to buying different art supplies to try a different technique. Okay. Because, like, I have no gr- obsessive love with pens. Like, you're super into pens. I'm like, I found the kind of pen I like. That's mm-hmm. it. I'm good with it. Yeah. Well, which is funny because um, uh, when I talked to Diana, she also has that love of pens. Right? Um, I don't know if she was a writer before she was an artist or if she just picked up the the pen love from, from other things. But. I'm not saying there aren't artists with love of, of office supplies, but I don't have yours. You're, you're right. like, look at this notebook. And I'm like, that is a notebook. That's fair. That's and you're fair. like, yeah. but you, you could get them. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, what, what would mm-hmm. I do with it? I know yeah. I won't write in it. So. Okay. So back to Emily. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes. I put my personal love of productivity and organization to use first as a homeschool student. And now as a college student, crafter, RPG participant, and blogger. I've always used paper methods, aside from Google Calendar and the occasional spreadsheet, to keep myself organized, but I'm always looking out for new things to try. Most recently, I've fallen in love with bullet journaling. What? Say it. It's a cult. 
There you go. Um, because of the numerous methods of personalization. Highly personalized cult. If you're ever looking to talk more about bullet journaling or to get a college student's perspective on organization, I would be willing to be in the tribute folder. Oh, I've already added that one. Um, so you're already there, Emily. We'll, we'll talk. I would also like to thank you for always being cognizant of people with differing levels of mental and physical abilities. Dogs. Uh-oh. Yeah. Someone snuck up on Ernie and uh, made yeah. him sad. Yeah, it makes him it, it it he jumps a little bit. He's still a little jumpy. Um all right, uh, cognizant of people with differing levels of mental and physical abilities. As an anxious person and friend of anxious people, it can sometimes be difficult to find the validation for dropping planning methods that are less than useful. My mother also shares my love of planning, but her fibromyalgia often causes her to reevaluate her daily levels of productivity. Thank you for being understanding podcasters. Your recognition is appreciated. And I think that's something that almost no one talks about when we talk about productivity, which is why I think it's very important to talk about. Yeah, well, there is, there is, I think one thing to understand is there is no, like, there is no baseline productivity where you must, there isn't like a speed limit where you should be this productive in a day. You only have to be as productive as you can be. Right. And some days you can't be productive. Yesterday, I slept a about 14 hours. You did? And I got up, mm-hmm. and I played some video games, and I think we unloaded part of the truck. Yes, because we unloaded the rest. I unloaded the rest of the truck this morning. Yes. Any weird noises you hear are not me farting. That is the exercise ball. Right. Uh, but you can I, only do what you can right. do in any given day, and that is okay. It, it, you're not being unproductive. Mm-hmm. You are being as productive as you can be under the circumstances, and Lord knows we all have a lot of circumstances sometimes. But I I think in a lot of ways it's also very similar to the problems we have with medicine, that we have with uh, cars and safety equipment and cars and and that sort of thing, and that is that the people who designed these systems and are all about gung-ho productivity so far as I've seen, the majority of them are white, cishet, able-bodied men. Frequently. Frequently. Now, there's been a larger influx of women into that field and certainly a large influx of people of color. I do not want to discount that at all, but all of the classic, and I'm putting that in air quotes, methods of productivity. The uh, getting things done. Getting things done. Franklin Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, Carnegie's um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and, and all of that stuff. These were all uh, white men, able-bodied white men. And so their expectations are around that specific demographic, not around um, a uh, less abled uh, African-American or a or women in general or I have, neurodivergent people. Yeah, yeah, I have this much I can get. And I think the thing is, I think that productivity organizing is even more valuable when there's only so much you can get done because, by God – if I can get one thing done today, I would like to be able to figure out what the best use of my time would be. Right. And sometimes just looking at the bloody to-do list may be the one thing you get done today, right. but, you know. And the, 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 a lot of the ideas that they, um, that they are proponents of, uh, David Covey with do the important things first. Figure out what is important to you and do those first. Um, uh, David Allen's, uh, you know, if it's, you can do it in two minutes and be done, do it. And if it's going to take more than that, shuffle it off uh, or, or postpone it till later or carve out time to do it. Um, those are all very valuable, but they're all focused on getting as much done as you possibly can in a single day. But they don't have any any limits on, I know I can get three things done, 
you know, they're, nope, you get the, the five most important things done and then you go on to the less important things. And that, that it doesn't allow for, yeah. The, okay, this may not be a super important task mm-hmm. uh, doing the laundry or whatever, but I can get it done. But it's well, yeah, but it's it's something I can get done and it's necessary if not. Um, well, I, I would say getting the laundry done is important. I, well, it can yeah. be, but the thing is, the world is not going to be on fire if you don't get it done. Right. 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 And I, I suspect that uh, that depends very on f- how many pairs of underwear you own well, and where you are in that rotation. Uh, That's where ex officio comes in really handy. Uh, let me tell you I, right I now. I suspect that. Um, the people doing getting things done mm. or designing Franklin Covey planners were not mm. necessarily prioritizing laundry. No, they weren't. They were prioritizing business or spending time with their family or or, or because they had to set out time set time aside to do things specifically like pay attention to their family. That's I mean, that's truth and difficult. Yeah. Um anyway, mm-hmm. we, we are we are rambling out. Yep. We are very glad that uh, that we we have tried to yep. Pay some attention to that, because mm-hmm. you know, Lord knows. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not neurotypical uh, in a lot of ways, and you have your anxiety and other things going on. So, we we try to be cognizant of it because it affects us. We're we're not we're not sitting in the glass house telling you how awesome the view is, because <laughs> we're uh, kind I mean, of we're in the mud. Yeah. Awesome, awesome view in the glass house, but yeah. we're not going to throw stones at it. Nope. <laughs> uh, all right, this is from Tammy. Greetings from England. Dear Kevin and Ursula, hi. I've been listening to your fantastic episodes, and I'm currently starting number 24. I've been avidly collecting the badge codes, too. Thank you. That's awesome. Just wondering if Ursula or yourself had tried the Aaron Condren planner out. I'm pretty fussy when it comes to planners. I've spent years trying to find the right one, and options are limited here in England. We have a few stores, including online, but you seem to have better options stateside. I discovered EC planners in 2014 and tried it out, and it was great. They do interchangeable covers. You can design your own, or they have a huge selection. Then moved on to other planners, but nothing was working as well. So I went back to the EC planner, and I'm currently awaiting my brand new shiny one to be released by UK Customs. You know, the name sounds very familiar, we, but I'm drawing a blank. We had a, uh, um, I think I may still have it. I have it over here. Um, we had a, a pre-made one. It was like a teacher's calendar. Okay. So, it was, so it was it was much more designed around that. It didn't have any of these features. And that's, I think that's the difference. I've seen, I looked up Aaron Condren online. And they seem to have more options um, either online or outside the U.S. than you can get just in like your local office supply store here. Ah. So, and I, I find that really interesting. Um. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tammy goes on. Also, I'm enjoying the app talk. I tried OmniFocus, but it's not for me. I'm using Picnic right now, and that's with two eyes on the Nick. Uh, P i c n i i c. Yes, uh, which seems pretty great. It's designed for families, which for me consists of myself and my parents. I'm their carer, and right now my mom is temporarily in the care home from hell, but I won't give you long story, so, lo, the long sorry story. I will give you the, the short and heartfelt sympathy for that. Uh, yeah. Aging parents here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's rough. Yeah. Uh, so Picnic has a shopping list feature as well as to-dos and a calendar. Let's me import the calendar from my iPhone and any others I have on there. I'm a huge NASCAR fan, so I have the schedule downloaded into my Apple calendar. I, mean, I find it delightful that we're here in North Carolina and someone yes. in England is a NASCAR fan. And we're like, oh, yeah, it's a sport where they go in circles really fast. I was just saying, yeah, <laughs> well, you grow up around here like I did, and you kind of watch NASCAR go from sort of a, a corner thing to the big industry it is now. So um, much like college basketball, mm-hmm. I understand it, but I just – I have 
been exposed to it for so long and so much that I just can't watch it anymore. It drives me crazy. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, uh, Using it for about a week, the free right. version, and it's pretty great. The premium has meal planner options, which look good to me as I'm currently having to cook for myself and dad, which isn't a challenge when cooking is the last thing I want to do. Hello, microwave meals. Preach it. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're right oh, there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry this is a bit long. Keep up the great work, and I'll try to catch up with the shows I'm missing. Tammy in Eastbourne, England. Thank you, Tammy. Um, I want to take a look at it, but I am pretty certain that if I can't get Ursula to look at Google Keep, I really probably can't get her to look at Google Picnic. Google Keep? Keep, the little notebook thingy that we have where, uh, like, I've been sharing the uh, – the Liz, Jacob, and I are sharing a grocery list right now with it. Oh, right. Right, right. yeah. Um but we can Someone who lives online as much as I do, I there I I yeah. Yeah, I know. It's 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 really kind of interesting like that. Um but, I think I hate programs where other people can touch it. Yeah, you're not a big you're not a big sharing or collaborating person. I, I'm I'm really not like mm-hmm. the you can share your grocery list and it's like, oh god. Yeah. Now I have to think of this in advance. And I have to look at what other people want, and mm-hmm. I would just prefer to come downstairs and be like, "Tell me what I need to get at the store." Right, which is me dashing something off on a on a post notepad because I have uh, yeah, a post-it or I have uh, my little notepad for my uh, disc-bound notebook here. Um, and damn it, that's mm-hmm. okay. You got to yeah. meet people where they live. Absolutely. Uh, but on the other hand, we were coming back. I got tattooed earlier this evening, mm-hmm. and I was like, we need to stop the grocery store. And I've got the list that Jacob put together and that Liz can contribute to, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, that tick, was, tick, tick, tick. Yeah. that was extremely useful. And it was really, really fast at the grocery store because we knew what we were buying and there were no questions about it. But um, but I certainly want to look at... 2% milk. God. Yeah, well... Sure, he's um, not a changeling, other than I, the fact he's visually a clone of you. Uh, I'm, I'm reasonably certain. I was I was there when he was born. And when we brought him home, and pretty much all along that journey. Sorry. What? Well, if it was a changeling, he could have been swapped out when your back was turned. Yeah. By the fairies. I'm pretty sure. Have you listened to him talk? <laughs> yeah, he, he swears to the, like you do. He swears like I do. The <laughs> amount of snark that comes out of that boy's mouth rivals the snark that comes out of you or I combined. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's got his, he's like got all of the stubbornness of his mother and myself. So it's, yeah. Um, but he's getting settled in. Uh, just an update there. Jake's getting settled in. And as we're starting to look towards the new school year, we're starting to look at our new test subject. We'll see if he wants to be a wombat test subject or what kind of test subject he wants to be. 2%. 2%. Well, yeah. Anyway, that uh, that's all the letters for July. Oh, hey. Yeah. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and then we will wrap this show up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll be back after this and there's a cat sneaking into the studio. So I got to take care of that too. And we are back. Uh, before we do anything else, I want to thank Tammy, Emily, David, and hold on, it didn't put the name on there. 
and Sarah for their comments, uh, their letters this week. It's been absolutely fantastic, and we look forward to all of your feedback. You can send us notes either via the contact form on the website. You can send them to Kevin at Sunny, S-O-N-N-E-Y dot com. You can, if if you're feeling brave, you can tweet at me, and we'll figure out whatever. So there's that. Uh, I want to thank everybody. And uh, Ursula, before we do the badge code, you said you had something you wanted to talk about. Yes, I suddenly remembered that um, I did get some stuff done this week. Okay. Uh, today, I finished up edits on the novel that mm-hmm. I had to finish up, which I was pleased with. And I also have been asking for time off on the next children's book, right. which is very hard to ask for because, oh my God, what if they say no and I never write <laughs> another children's book? But I'm like, look... I need like four months off or you need to hire an illustrator. Mm -hmm. And they came back and said, we don't want to hire an illustrator. Right. Which I don't know if that's, we don't want to deal with another human being. It seems egotistical to think that they want my art in particular. Um, Well, I think we've, we've, as uh, we've discussed on, uh, or at least you've discussed on panels where you're with other children's book authors and, Someone always comes up, I have a book, how do I find, it, find an illustrator? And pretty much everyone says, unless you're the illustrator, let the publisher find it. Yes. If you yes. sell the book, let the publisher find an illustrator. If you come in with an illustrator, they won't know the illustrator. They have a stable of people they've worked with in the past who they know they can deliver on time and they'll get what they want, et cetera, et cetera. But You've just if you come yeah. in with another person, you've now made it two people they have to deal with, right. two sets of contracts, two sets of legalities, mm-hmm. and it's just a terrific pain in their butt. Right. And it's it's so I, I expect there's a lot of that there well, too. Yeah, You're but I was like, quantity. you can use somebody in the stable, that's fine. And but who knows? They decided mm-hmm. they yeah. they were like, no, we we want another Ursula graphic novel, but it is okay if you take you know like four months off to. Uh, do some of your own stuff because at this point I'm basically like just starting to slightly enjoy drawing again. Right. And the mm-hmm. notion of starting back in on the hamster rota makes me want to sob and curl in fetal position. Right. So I was like, you hire an illustrator, it'll be great. And they're like, no, we really want you. I'm like, oh, God. Um, I don't know. Maybe they yeah. like their, maybe they just don't want to deal with another person. Maybe it could be turnarounds, mm, you know, be because turnarounds, I do yeah. work very fast. I don't even know what it is. So, um, but anyway, they, uh, so, but I asked for time off and they will give it to me. And I also said, can we do like half the il- number of illustrations I could right, do? Right. I can do 80 a lot easier than I can do 150. And, yeah, and, and that's understandable. Too. And whether or not they will agree to that, I don't know, but. At least they're giving me time off, and I because mm-hmm. I asked for it. So, so yeah, and that's it's important. Like like we said earlier in that one letter, uh, take your time off, ask yes. for time off, use your time off. Don't hoard it until you're, um, you know, like five years from retirement, and now you're on the mandatory. I can only work four days a week. Yeah, for the rest of my career, and that's actually happening to um, our friend Steve. Uh, Sergeant Steve, who is, uh, he's, uh, yes. he's retiring in like a year and a half. And now he's on the, he has so much vacation left over that he is basically on four day weeks now until he retires because some of it's use it or lose it. Some of it's, they are not going to pay him for it. 
And some of it's just, he doesn't need to work five days a week anymore, so why should he? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Well, the dog is starting to whimper mm-hmm. outside the other uh, room, so we yeah. should probably yes. do our badge code and call it good. Yeah. So our badge code for this episode is elevators, since we both spent a lot of time dealing with them. Well, I spent a lot of time dealing with them this weekend, and next year at Anthrocon, Arsenal will be back in a red vest uh, dealing with elevators. The running joke, since I was the guest of honor, was the con chair is... is being incredibly, you know, kind and 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 you know, you know, oh, what can I get for you? What could you? We're so honored to have you. And as soon as the con is over, it's you put on a vest and get back to work. You work for me now, yes. which uh, is you know, <laughs> which is funny. it's par for the course with, yeah. with him. So yeah, um, <laughs> and since we know each other well enough to say that kind of thing, yeah, we had a we had a fantastic time though. Um, uh, elevator troubles notwithstanding, we're happy to be home. We're happy to be doing this. So. Um, We'll look at some of the earlier episodes for an explanation of badge codes because the yes. dog is is getting a little urgent. Remember, you can support us on Patreon at uh, Ursula V on Patreon. Uh, you can K S O N N E Y on Coffee K O F I dot com, and we also have a page on ProductivityAlchemy.com that explains all of those options as well as a couple others. It will help us buy dog treats for sad Ernie. Dog treats and uh, every. It helps keep these podcasts free. I think that's important. This is free culture. Uh, it's a Creative Commons effort, and I'm doing everything I can to keep it advertiser free and um, free for everybody to download. Yep. So that's that's that. Anyway, thank you, everyone. We will talk to you next week and stay productive. Now go let the dog out. Woo! Wait, are we going to do who let the dogs out? No. Aw. No. <laughs>